You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line. You're on ESPN 1067, Auburn Obelika Sports Leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. It is great to be back here in the studio. Man, it feels like it's been a month since I've been in here and put the headset on and turned the microphone on. But hey, we are back live in the studio here at Auburn Network on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. It is a hot one out there, folks. I know it's been hot. I know it's July, but oh my goodness, the heat index is like 110. It's brutal outside. I stepped outside for like five minutes earlier just to, to get some sunlight, get out of the office, and I had to go inside. I was like, this is miserable. There's no reason to even be out here. So Make sure you're staying cool. Make sure you're staying safe. Checking your cars. All of that good stuff as the heat index is like 110 outside. It's unbelievable. But glad to be back here on this Wednesday edition of On the Line. You heard the new intro. Hope you liked that. Got the new show open, uh, created over the long holiday weekend. So excited for that. We got some new returns and all of that good stuff. So everything is brand new. It's a good, it's a great restart here coming in out of the 4th of July weekend. Hope you had a great 4th of July also. Uh, hope you got to grill out and eat some hot dogs, maybe uh, watch some fireworks and do whatever it is that you like to do over the 4th of July weekend, hang out with friends and family. Hopefully you all had a great 4th of July. Hope you were all safe. Uh, I went up to Birmingham, actually up in Trustful, and my father has a, we have a uh, fireworks store up there, and so we were selling fireworks all weekend long, and it turned out really well. Took care of a lot of customers, and it, it, we were slinging them around, that's for sure. And so we had a good year, and it seemed like everybody else had a great 4th of July. And so it was a good little break up from work. I was working over the weekend, but hey, we are back in the studio here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. We've got a lot to cover today. 334-321-1390. I'd love to hear from you. Anything going on in the sports world, anything on your mind, I'd love to hear from you. Call in. Be a part of the show. 334-321-1390. Well, I have not been on the air since Thursday, so we've got a lot to cover between Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Lots to catch up on here on Wednesday, July 6th. It is now July, obviously. Uh, It was June 30th the last time I was in here. And it is now July, which means we are moving even closer to the college football season. We are 59 days away from Auburn football 
59. Can you believe it? 59 days until September 3rd. I've been telling you the countdown to 50 is on. And once we get to that 50-day mark, it's going to go by in the blink of an eye. I'm excited. I know you are as well. And we've got some stuff to talk about with college football and college athletics in general. It's getting crazy out there with everybody moving around. But of course, Let's start with the Auburn football news. Starting on Friday and then on the 4th of July, Auburn picked up two 2023 football commits. Of course, they picked up the one on Friday, which I was not on the air, so I wasn't able to cover. They picked up one then and then one over this holiday weekend. And so Auburn football now has four in their 2023 recruiting class, and it's starting to... It's starting to, to grow a little bit, right? There's, there's some guys in there now that you can feel really confident in. And so, of course, Auburn picked up the running back, Jeremiah Cobb, a four-star running back. And I like this guy. I really do. He seems like just a stud. He seems like the type of running back that Auburn likes to recruit. He's fast. He's physical. He has the agility. And He still has room for improvement. I think that's what's really standing out for me with Jeremiah Cobb is he is that type of running back that Auburn goes after. He may not be the biggest guy. He could probably put on a little bit of of some muscle when he gets down to the plains, but he's got a lot of speed. He has a lot of agility. He can cut real quick. He's probably going to break some ankles during his time. This is a guy in Jeremiah Cobb that will be maybe a starter down the road I think he definitely can be and Auburn has picked up a guy that can come in and play some backup roles until he becomes that starter you know a lot of people say he could replace Tank Bigsby when he is finally gone from Auburn and I don't want to rush that by any means Tank Bigsby we know how good he is but Jeremiah Cobb the running back from Montgomery Catholic this guy this guy can play flat out can play now of course The concerns are, in the coming years, can Auburn get the offensive linemen to actually help their running backs that that are coming through here? That's a great question. It's a concern that we all have, and we have talked about so much over the last however many months that we've had this discussion, is can Auburn get the offensive line and the offensive linemen to make sure that running backs like Tank Bigsby and recruits like Jeremiah Cobb want to come to Auburn and are successful here at Auburn. That's a major concern. We're going to have to figure out where that's going to come from. I know we've had that discussion so many times, but it is a legitimate concern. You start talking about next year's offensive line, what's it going to look like? Because now this year, the offensive line... Should be pretty good this year. They have no excuse to not be good this year. Uh, All of the excuses are out of the book at this point. Everything is out there in plain sight. You're either good or you're not. And we're going to find out this year. They should be good. And I think they will be Auburn's offensive line this year. But then you start talking about next year. And you start talking about the year after that. You got to go get some players. You got to go get some offensive linemen from recruiting and possibly the transfer portal if that's what you have to do not necessarily what you want to do but that's what you need to do if you if you're struggling to fill the holes you got to go find those guys but where I'm going with that is 
you got to have a good offensive line for running backs to want to come and play for you because they want to be successful, and they cannot be successful without a good offensive line. But Auburn picks up the recruitment and the commitment, rather, of Jeremiah Cobb, the four-star running back from Montgomery Catholic. And then this was a big one, and I mean this was a big, big-time get for Brian Harson and this entire coaching staff. Carmelo English, the wide receiver, uh, just a, a stud, I think. He he is five foot 11, 182 pounds, so you want to talk about a guy that can put on a little bit of muscle. Carmelo English is definitely one of those guys. I love how he spells his name. His name is Carmelo, and when you hear the name Carmelo, I don't know about you, but I instantly go to Carmelo Anthony, uh, you know, the, the NBA legend, right? Played for the Knicks forever. You know how that is. That's what I think of immediately when I think of Carmelo. But he spells it Carmelo English, that is. He spells it K-A-R-M-E-L-L-O. I love that. I love that. That's so cool. Carmelo English, the wide receiver. He's five foot eleven, 182 pounds. This is a guy that if he puts on a little bit of weight, a little bit of muscle, that is, I think he's going to be really, really competitive at Auburn. I think he's going to be really competitive in the SEC. This is a one-on-one, 50-50 ball type of guy. This is somebody that you can develop and make better. But hey, it's a wide receiver commitment, folks. A room that, add that to the offensive line worries, the wide receiver room is something that we all are worried about and have big question marks on. Is the wide receivers not just this year, but in years to come. And so now Auburn has picked up a huge, huge four-star wide receiver recruit in Carmelo English. So two big-time commitments over the long holiday weekend for Auburn football. And, you know, the 2023 class, it's still small, right? You still have those two guys. You have Terrence Love and Braden Joyner, but there's more available and more are going to come I'm very very obviously I'm very confident in that and not just random guys here and there Auburn is going to get some big names and Auburn's going to get some impact players on the recruiting trail but one thing that we have that I have definitely talked about and a lot of my guests have talked about as well is a lot of these recruits are waiting on Auburn to win some games they're waiting to see what the results are going to be on the field. Because when we talk to Christian Clemente, who is my recruiting guy, when I bring him in, he's with 24-7 Sports now, when I talk to him, because he talks directly with the recruits when they come on campus for their official visits, unofficial visits, what may it, he talks to them directly. And he says that almost all of them say they love Auburn, they love Brian Harson. They love the coaching staff. They love everything about Auburn. They love the new football facility. They love the campus. They love the vibe. They love everything. But a lot of them are waiting because they want to see what's going to happen on the football field. Can Auburn win games? Can Auburn be competitive? Can Brian Harson win football games? Can this coaching staff develop players? They're waiting on that. And you know what? I don't blame them. I don't blame them one bit. I would wait too. Even if I did love everything about a school and a coach and the coaching staff and all of the future things that they're putting money into, like a new football facility, I don't blame them for waiting to see, hey, 
I like everything about you. I like everything you got to say, but I just need to make sure that you can actually produce before I commit my college career to you. Makes sense to me. What about you? I, I think I would do that. And I would much rather want to go somewhere that has a track record of winning in recent history. That just makes sense. Now, a lot of us would be a little bit different because we're diehard Auburn fans, what have it, right? We would say, oh, we would go to Auburn. But you got to think about it as an 18-year-old kid who's really good at football and he's trying to go and play at the big leagues. you got to go where you have the best chance to do that. And Auburn may be that place. But a lot of these kids are waiting to see if that's the case. And I don't blame them. And so it seems like that Brian Harson and this coaching staff are doing everything right. It seems like they're doing it the right way. They have taken a complete 180 from about six months ago where Auburn couldn't get guys on campus. They couldn't get guys to come to camps. They couldn't do anything. And it didn't seem like a whole lot of effort was being put into it. But now you can start to see the gears turning. You can start to see that snowball building just a little bit. Right? It's a snowball. It's a very, very tiny snowball right now. But as more people commit and as things start happening and as Auburn starts winning football games this fall, which they will do, the snowball is just going to get bigger and bigger. And it's going to start rolling down the hill and it's going to get bigger. And eventually it won't be able to be stopped. That's the goal. That is the hope. I believe in that. I do. I believe that can happen, and I believe it will. Now, it's going to take some time. Again, it's not all just going to happen in one year, and one successful season this year is not going to cut it. You can't win eight or nine games this year and then have a losing season next year, right? You've got to start this year by winning some games, beating some teams that, A, you are supposed to beat, and then, B, you probably got to win some games you're not supposed to, right? Maybe those games against Georgia or Texas A&M or maybe even Ole Miss, right? Some of those games that you're probably not going to be favored in, you're going to win one or two of those. And you start that this year, and that will start the snowball effect. That is what will impact Auburn football recruiting. That's what they're waiting on. That's what these high school kids want to see. And I don't blame them one bit. I really don't. I don't blame them one bit for wanting to see and waiting to say, okay, you've said all the right things. I like everything you're doing, and the future looks bright. But can you win games? And is my career going to be better by coming to Auburn versus going somewhere else? We're going to find out how that plays out. We're going to find out real quick. But I think Auburn football's recruiting is it's starting to build a little bit. I'm not worried, and you shouldn't be either. But if you are, I'd love to hear from you and why. right? If you have your reasons, why are you worried? If you're still worried about it, why so? If you're feeling good about it, why do you feel good about it? Does, do these two recruits make you feel better about Auburn football's recruiting? I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I just think Auburn is going to be okay. I think getting two big recruits like this, now they did lose out on on the defensive player going to Florida State, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, it was yesterday, a big defensive player, he went to Florida State over Auburn, and 
really, when you start looking at that, it's kind of a head-scratcher almost. Maybe he just really liked Florida State, you know, the school, campus, program, whatever it may be. But instead of going to Auburn, where there are some question marks on the future, you're going to Florida State, where they've got a lot of question marks on the future. And I think if you were to ask college football fans and college football enthusiasts and analysts, I think most of them would probably say Auburn with Brian Harson has a brighter future than what Florida State does right now. I think. I would like to think that would be their answer. Because you look at what Florida State has done in the past five, seven years, not a whole lot. And it's kind of dark down there right now, especially with Florida being halfway decent, Miami really building some momentum down there. I mean, in UCF, I mean, yeah, they're halfway decent down there, and they're, they're taking recruits. Florida State's in dark days, and so, sure, Auburn missed out on that guy, but they do get two big recruits over the long weekend. You have Carmelo English, the wide receiver, and Jeremiah Cobb, the running back. I'm impressed. I like where it's going. These are two guys that they can come in and play probably pretty fast and, and pretty quickly and I think can play at Auburn for a couple of years and get better during their time here. Put on a little muscle, get a little better, you know, make the adjustment from high school to college, and I think these guys are going to be great players for Auburn. Jeremiah Cobb, he is an Auburn running back. That's exactly, he, he plays like that, he looks like that. I think he's got everything that Auburn wants in a running back. And then if you're Auburn, and if you're an Auburn fan, you should be excited. You get a four-star receiver in Carmelo English whose upside is, is through the roof. You're worried about the wide receiver room? You got one. He's not going to be able to carry it all, but you've got a really good one in this 2023 class. Hey, we're off and running here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. It's great to be back in the studio On the other side of this break, question of the day. It'll be Auburn football related. Don't you worry. Stay tuned. Question of the day when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you here in our number one question of the day. Talking about Auburn football recruiting as they picked up two commitments in the 2023 class over the long holiday weekend. Question of the day for you. As it stands right now, we kind of talked about this in the first segment, but as it stands right now, how do you feel about Auburn football's 2023 class so far in football? That's the question of the day I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again is 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to me here on the show. As it stands right now, how do you feel about Auburn football's 2023 recruiting class with the four players that are there right now? Carmelo English, the wide receiver, Jeremiah Cobb, the running back. Those two committed, of course, over the long weekend. Terrence Love and Braden Joyner. Those are the four that are there right now. How do you feel about it as it stands right now? 334-321-1390. I've sort of talked about this, and I really do feel this way. I know there's only four, right? And there's a lot of people that would look at that and say, where are all the players? Where are they? Why are there only four? Well, Auburn, I mean, that's 
for starters, that's all they've been able to get right now. And they kind of got off to a slow start. And it seems like they have turned the corner a little bit. I have, uh, I've been told that it seems like the coaching staff, and we've seen it. We have been able to physically see the coaching staff just really change their entire recruiting mindset. Because if you remember back in the early parts of this year, which seems like yesterday, time flies. But if you remember back to the early parts of this year, there was a lot of reports and people talking about there was just not a whole lot of effort on the recruiting trail. There wasn't a whole lot of momentum, not a whole lot of visits. There were uh, high schools and high school coaches and players that had no idea who Brian Harson was, hadn't talked to him since he had been at Auburn. All of those things were arising. Those types of, of statements and reports were arising, and that's not a good look. And it turns out that, in my opinion, from what it looks like, to me personally, it looked like they just didn't really know what they had gotten themselves into down here in the SEC and down here in the state of Alabama when it came to recruiting. And a lot of people said that, and I think it's true. But give them a whole lot of credit. Because they figured it out. I think they have turned the corner. They figured it out. They did the, what was it called, the, the Tiger takeover or whatever it was called where all of the coaches split up and they hit every single high school in the state of Alabama. Plus they hit a bunch of schools in Mississippi, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida. They hit all, all the schools, all the high schools in Alabama plus they went to a bunch of schools in the surrounding states where Auburn likes to go and get talent. We saw that, and it was very successful from what I was able to see and hear. That's coming from Auburn coaches. That's coming from high school coaches, coming from players, coming from beat writer and reporters and everybody. It seemed like that was a very, very good idea, and it went really, really well. And they didn't take six months to do it. They knocked it out in a couple of weeks. And I think that was a great thing to do. And now you can start to see... Auburn has guys coming on official visits. Remember, the, over the last month, we've had Christian in here and other guys in here talking about all of these players coming in to take official visits to Auburn. And we know how that works. You get five official visits as a high school player, and a lot of them are using them to come to Auburn and, and tour Auburn and see what the program is about. And they get to tour that new football facility. That's a big step in recruiting as well. So I think those are a lot of the scenarios and the things you can point to and say things are turning in the right direction. They're at least trying. They're trying now. January and February, I don't know if they were really trying to recruit well, but they are now. And now you can see all of these camps. Players are coming to these camps by the hundreds. And all of that is going on. And again, those are things that you can physically see that they are doing and trying to recruit at a high level. And I think once that football facility is fully completed, you're going to see that be a huge factor because that thing is going to be nice, folks. They're putting enough money into it. It should be nice. And I, I bet it's going to be very, very, very nice. And you remember seeing the videos of, of LSU and Alabama and whoever, Clemson, whoever else, when they build that new facility and they post it on social media, it takes over. Everybody in the college football world sees the brand new facilities. Auburn will do that, and it'll take over. And you know who sees that? High school players. 
across the entire country. They will see those videos, and they know that Auburn is putting money into the football program. That's recruiting in itself. Recruiting is not just Brian Harson standing in the living room of a player and say, we want you. Recruiting is everything within the football program. It's showing that there's a future and that you are investing in that future and you're confident in the people that are there right now. And I think that's what's happening. Because we've seen coaches not just recruiting 2023, but they're going and reaching out to guys for 2024, 2025. This coaching staff, which you would expect them to do that, I know. But it's good to see that they are. I just think the effort's there. I think they've made the turn. The effort is there. But we all know what it comes down to. you got to win the games. And so... For the question of the day, how do you feel about this current 2023 football recruiting class for Auburn, the four players that are there? I like them. And when you look at the two that have been committed for a while for Auburn, Braden Joyner and uh, Terrence Love, both of those guys have been recruiting, like recruiting other players for Auburn a lot. They have been speaking very highly of Auburn and been a, a, a recruiting tool for Auburn this entire time. And I think, I think that's good. I really do. I'm confident in Auburn's recruiting class. I hope it grows, though. It better. <laughs> it better. Four is not enough. Halfway through hour number one, stay tuned. We'll come back. We got a whole lot more to talk about here in hour number one on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goertz with you here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Halfway through hour number one, we've talked a lot about Auburn football recruiting and the current recruiting class, but... Now it's time to get updated on everything going on around college athletics with teams going everywhere, right? We've seen Oklahoma and Texas coming to the SEC. That's obviously been in place for a while. We have now the news of UCLA and USC heading to the Big Ten. That broke last week before the long weekend, but... Uh, rumors reports whatever you want to call it have been flying around like crazy um uh, just flying around everybody's coming up with different scenarios there's reports of of mergers there's reports of teams leaving to go to other conferences and others being left in the dust there's all kinds of stuff going on with these programs and, and teams and schools leaving one conference to go to another and mergers and all of that we're going to try and and break it all down here and just figure out what's going to happen here because something is going to happen. That's what we've got to know is something's going to happen. The, the Power Five will no longer be the Power Five for very long. I can tell you that right now. I can promise you that right now. That is those days of the traditional conferences that we know are over. The SEC is going to continue to get larger. The Big Ten will continue to grow more and get more teams. And then the the question, there's a couple of questions here, right? 
Who will the SEC go after? Because they're going to need a couple more. Who will the Big Ten go after? Because they are going to need a couple more. But the big question remains, what does the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12 do? What do those three conferences do to not be left behind? There's a lot of different options here. There's Obviously, there's the reports of the SEC trying to go after uh, five or six of the ACC schools, including Clemson, Florida State. Uh, I've seen Virginia. I've seen North Carolina. Uh, I've seen a lot of different variations of that. And then, of course, you have the Pac-12 schools. I've seen reports of some of those, like six of those, going to the Big 12. Schools like Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State, a couple of more, maybe Utah and a couple of those schools, right? I, I've seen the, the, the talks of those schools going to the Big 12. But something that's interesting, I was reading on uh, Sports Illustrated earlier today, is what would a Pac-12, Big 12, ACC super merger look like? If the three conferences of the ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12, instead of being picked apart by the other two conferences, the SEC and the Big Ten, and instead of two of the conferences merging together, what if all three of them just said, well, let's come together and be a third super conference. Instead of two, there would be three. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. And so it is, what would it look like and here's what they kind of came up with. What remaining Pac-12ers, Pac-12 teams choose between rating Big 12 or ACC? Why not try to merge top from each conference for a super conference? So they're saying take the best teams from all three of those conferences, ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12, and just throw them all in the same conference. Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, Duke, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, Arizona and Arizona State, Oklahoma State and Kansas and do anything to get Notre Dame that's an interesting way to look at it that's an interesting hypothesis all of those teams being in the same conference and remember I I, I want people to remember this this is not just football that seems to be the the topic of conversation when talking about these conferences and teams leaving to go to other places everybody's talking about football and I know why Obviously, football is the moneymaker at all of the, or, well, most of these schools, not all of them, but for the most part, college football is the moneymaker. But this is for all college athletics, folks. So think about these conferences and these teams playing to each other and playing together through football season, basketball season, baseball season, any college sport, they'd be playing together, right? And we had the conversations about the traveling issues, right? You think about UCLA and USC traveling to to Rutgers to play college football and traveling to Rutgers in the middle of the week to play a Tuesday night basketball game that's a little ridiculous if you ask me they got to travel from Los Angeles California all the way to New Jersey for a midweek game against Rutgers in basketball come on now that doesn't make any sense but it's happening and there's nothing we can do to stop it right that is happening and so when you look at it what's going to happen Well, frankly, none of us know. That's the crappy part is none of us know truly what's going to happen because there's so many possibilities of what could happen. But I can tell you this. The SEC is not done and the Big Ten is not done. 
I think Notre Dame will go to the Big Ten just because, as crazy as it is, the Big Ten can offer more TV contract money per school than the SEC can, which is crazy, but they can. And so I think that's why Notre Dame will eventually become part of the Big Ten. But the SEC, they're going to definitely try and go after those big ACC schools, the ones like Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, um, maybe like a Virginia or something like that. They're going to try and go get a couple of those. They don't want this merger because the SEC's got to fill some more slots. I think the magic number is 20. That's what people have been talking about. The magic number is 20. 20 teams in these two quote-unquote super conferences of the SEC and the Big Ten. But if the other three decide to merge together, then who does the SEC go after? It's an interesting way to look at it. I don't know. I don't know where they would go. If those three conferences said, well, we're just going to take the best four teams from our conferences and we're just going to all come together. Now, I think that's a little ridiculous when you start talking about the travel situation again because you would literally have Washington and Florida State in the same conference. The exact opposite corners of the country would be playing each other in conference play of football, basketball, gymnastics, whatever it may be. They would literally be traveling the entire length of the country diagonally to play. That's a a little ridiculous. I think the conferences should somehow be geographically smart and relevant to be a conference. Like Clemson and Florida State and North Carolina, that would make sense to be in the SEC. And you could even make the argument that the Pac-12 and the Big 12 being in the same conference would be okay. You could make that work. But schools from Los Angeles, California, traveling to Big Ten schools every week or every other week, that just doesn't make any sense. And a team like Florida State traveling to Washington or Oregon, that doesn't make any sense either. And that's, it's different when it's just a one-time out-of-conference home-and-home matchup. That's different. This will be on a yearly basis. And when you're talking about baseball and basketball, these are long trips for a random Wednesday night game or a random week series or a weekend series. That's a long trip. And so that side of it just doesn't make any sense to me. But trying to figure out what's going to happen here, I have no idea. I have no idea, and honestly, I don't even know what I want to happen because there's so many options and so many possibilities. I'll be honest. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it because there's so many different things that could happen. Clemson could go to five different places, and they could. And so that's what's all confusing about it. There's so much going on, and there's so many different you know, rumors and reports and people obviously – all options are on the table for everybody, right? You've get, you're talking about the, yes, the conferences, all options are open. The teams and the, and the schools, all options are open. And so what's actually going to happen? I don't know. But here's what I can tell you. The SEC and the Big Ten will still be the best conferences. Even if the Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC, they do that three-team merger that Sports Illustrated wrote an article about, even if that were to happen, the other two are still going to be better 
than those three combined. I'm convinced. Because look at it from a football perspective. If those three were to combine, football-wise, you would have Clemson, Oregon, and that's it. Right now, that'd be it. North Carolina, decent. Florida State's not anything right now. Washington, eh. Stanford, eh. Cal, no. Arizona schools, not. Oklahoma State, uh uh-uh. And Kansas, no way, Jose. So football, if that were to happen, they'd have two or three teams. The SEC and Big Ten, almost all of them are good. So when you look at it from football, they're still going to be dominant. If you look at it from basketball, if those three were to come together, yeah, you have North Carolina and Duke, Arizona and Kansas. They'd be a little bit more dominant on the basketball side. But the SEC and Big Ten, they still have a lot of good schools, and they've got just, they have more of them. And that's what is going to happen. No matter what the ACC, Pac 12, and Big 12 conferences do and the schools do, whether they come together or they all go their separate ways and get picked apart, no matter what, the SEC and Big Ten will reign supreme. That is happening. It's happening in front of our eyes. And Obviously, the biggest schools right now, Clemson, Notre Dame, I think those are the two big names right now. Oregon, that's another one. Last week when this all broke, I talked about Oregon. They would be really dumb to stay in the Pac-12 as it stands right now. If they were to just stay in the Pac-12 as it is, they would they'd be hurting themselves. They would be hurting themselves. So I think Oregon will leave somehow whether it's a merge or they get taken to the Big Ten, they're going to go somewhere because as it stands right now, Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12 on most sports, I would say, especially football. I don't know. It all is just so crazy to me how this is happening, and it's happening so fast. It's happening so fast. And it started with the Texas A&M, or excuse me, the Texas and Oklahoma news coming to the SEC. But that's been in the works for a while, and that's been solidified for a while. But then it was the UCLA and USC news. When that broke last week, late last week, everything just went in a spiral, and everybody started going crazy, and everything just turned upside down. And college athletics, as we know it, they're changing. It's not going to be the same anymore. It's not going to be the same teams. It's not going to be the same conferences. It's not going to be the same postseason with bowl games or championship games. There's talks of doing separate championship games. There's there's talks of conferences joining together and hosting their own championship game, something that they've already talked about with the SEC and the Big Ten. Everything is changing in front of our eyes, and it's changing forever, which is crazy because in my life, it's been basically the same. We've seen some teams add and, and move and, and that, but nothing to this extreme. This is massive, folks. We'll look back on this in 20 and 30 years and say, man, you remember when, when there were five Power Five conferences? Do you remember that? We're going to look back on that and think, how weird was that? And I don't know if this is going to be good or not. I really don't. I would love to say, yeah, I think that all of this shifting and breaking up and and merging and realigning is a good thing for college football and a good thing for college athletics. I would love to tell you that. 
but I don't fully believe it. But I also don't think it's going to be just completely horrible and just destroy college athletics. I'm not trying to like sit on the fence and sway either way. I just really don't know. I'm leaning towards the negative side more than I am the positive side. I'll tell you that. I think there's a lot of downfall. There's a lot more downfalls and negative sides than there are positives and upsides. I can tell you that much. But as for the future of college football and college athletics, it's a mystery. It's a big old question mark right now, which is scary. And I'm not even in it. Imagine being a college athlete right now. Or imagine being a high school athlete who's trying to go and play in college. Who knows what the state of college athletics are going to be in the next five years. Add NIL to that, it's all changing right in front of our eyes. And I think it's more... Now, NIL, you know how I feel about that. I'm negative on that. But everything just thrown together, and it's all happening so fast. I think that's the problem, is everything is happening so fast. I feel like down the road, we're going to look back and say, you know... We could have avoided this problem. We could have avoided this problem. And this scenario came up. And if it would have been considered just a little bit more, we maybe could have avoided this. I think we're going to look back on college football and athletics in general in the next five to ten years. And we're going to find those problems. And we're going to find those holes in the system. And we're going to say, yep, that's where we messed up. Was when everything started changing and it started changing so fast. I'm okay with change. I'm not a person that is against change, especially with college football. That's fine. I love change when it's the right change and it's change for the good. But I also want it to be a a process and make sure all your, your boxes are checked and everything has been considered before you just rush and do crazy stuff because that's what's happening right now. I just don't want it to ruin college athletics. I know that's dark, but it very well could happen. And it's not going to be the same. That is the one thing I can guarantee you. It's not going to be the same as it was. Whether that's a good or bad thing, only time will tell. And we're going to find out together. Let's take our final break here in hour number one on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. I'll wrap it up on the other side of this break. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you for the next couple of minutes here in hour number one. Make sure you stay tuned, though. We'll be right back for hour number two at 3 o'clock. Feels good to be back in the studio. I, I took... What I had Friday, Monday, and Tuesday that I was not here doing the show, and it felt weird. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel right not doing the show, but took some time, went up and saw, you know, saw my family, and it worked. I promise you that. I was working and working hard. Uh, but it, it felt weird. Like it'd be two to four, and I'd be like, all right, I'm supposed to be supposed to be in Auburn doing the show in the studio, but hey. We are back here uh, to wrap up this week, and of course, uh, we'll be going on through the summer. We've got media days coming up. We had the football season coming up. We are 59 days away from the college football season. But wrapping up this first hour here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, last night in the NBA Summer League, it is on. It has officially started. The NBA Summer League 
where players who are trying to make something of themselves and trying to get onto NBA rosters, a lot of the draft picks uh, get to play early, early basketball with some teammates and get on the floor and show what they can do. Well, last night, Chet Holmgren, the second overall pick in this year's NBA draft, he had a good game. All right, I'll give him credit. He did. He had a good game last night, Oh, Chet Holmgren did, in the NBA Summer League. Okay, I do want to make that clear. This was an NBA Summer League game. All right, let's please remember that. But he did have a good game. I'll give him credit. And the Summer League, you know, you look at it, and there's a lot of guys you don't know. There's a lot of guys you haven't heard of. There's a lot of the draft picks from this year that are playing and trying to solidify their spot on the roster and just get in shape and show what they could do, right? Chad Holmgren, a lot of people are hyped about him. A lot of people think he has a lot of potential, and he does. But you know my feelings. If you're, and if you haven't heard me give my take on Chad Holmgren, you're about to get it. I just don't think he's going to pan out in the NBA. I really don't. I don't think he is going to pan out. We've seen guys like him before with the lengthiness and the height and the skinniness. I mean, the guy is really, really skinny. He has no muscle, it looks like. And we've seen guys like him come through before with a lot of hype and a lot of potential. They just don't work out. Now, I understand that Chad Holmgren is a little bit different. I'll give him credit. He has a nice shooting stroke. He does. He has a nice touch. And he showcased it last night with some turnaround mid-range jumpers and some three-point shots. And his ball handling is, eh, people like to say it's good. I don't think so, which Jabari's isn't either. So, obviously, I've said that too. But everybody jumped on Chet Holmgren last night after having a good game in his summer league debut. He broke the record for blocks in a summer league game with six, I think. And he had some good shots. He had a good amount of points. But let's calm down. All right, let's chill out. It was the Summer League, the first game of Summer League. Come on now. It's the summer. Chad Holmgren's good. But it's the first game of the Summer League, y'all. Come on now. That's it for hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. I got another hour coming up at 3 o'clock. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. 
It is a hot one out there. Make sure you're being careful. It's great to be back here in the studio, and we are getting ready here for hour number two. Hour number one's in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. If you're still here for hour number one, thank you so much. If you're just now tuning in here for hour number two, thank you as well. I am glad to be here, glad to be back in the studio after having no show on Friday, Monday, and yesterday. It felt weird. I, it didn't feel right not being here. And, I, you know, I was doing stuff. I was busy, but it, it still just felt weird not to be in the studio from 2 to 4 during the week. But we are back here today, here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. If you missed anything from hour number one, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following today's show. So make sure you go and find that. If you missed any of hour number one or any of my other shows, make sure you go and find that. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open here in hour number two. Don't have a guest lined up, so it is all you and me here in hour number two. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world, anything with Auburn football, uh, with the recruits, we're going to talk some more about that, or anything else on your mind in the sports world, what's on your mind, be a part of the show. I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call. 334 321 1390. That's the number to put you through to me. I'll get you on the air and we can talk about anything that you want to talk about related to sports, of course. Well, as we always do here in hour number two, we'll get started with making headlines. The first one, we're 59 days away from the college football season for Auburn kicking off, folks. 59 days away from September 3rd. It's going down fast. Countdown to 50 is on and after that, it'll. I promise you it'll fly by especially with media days coming up. And then once August hits, everybody's getting ready for school. And then once school goes back, it's just a couple of weeks after that. So really, it's going to fly by. I promise you that. We are 59 days away from the college football season. But on the headlines here on Wednesday, July 6th, 2022, of course, Auburn football over the long weekend, they picked up two four-star recruits for the 2023 recruiting class you have a running back and a receiver now for Auburn in that in that 2023 recruiting class the first is the running back Jeremiah Cobb from Montgomery Catholic he committed over the long weekend and he is a uh, an Auburn running back he really seems like the type of guy that Auburn recruits I talked a lot about him in hour number one He's fast, he's physical, he's, he's got the agility, he can make cuts and make people miss. Uh, I think he's a great pickup for Auburn and Brian Harson and this staff. Uh, Jeremiah Cobb, the running back from Montgomery Catholic, four-star recruit. And then, on top of that, one of the rooms that Auburn fans have been worried about for a while and rightfully so, the wide receiver room. Auburn is able to go and pick up a receiver. They get a commitment from Carmelo English, who's five foot eleven and 182 pounds. Carmelo English. He spells it K-A-R-M-E-L-L-O. I love that. I love how he spells that. Carmelo English, the wide receiver. He's a four-star recruit. He committed to the Tigers over this long weekend as well. I think he is. 
He's got a lot of upside, a lot of potential. When you talk about these two guys, Jeremiah Cobb and Carmelo English, both of them are immediate, instant impact players. I talk about those types of players all of the time, and these guys are it. There is no doubt in my mind that these guys, when they get to Auburn and get on campus, they will get playing time immediately and will more than likely be starters pretty soon when they get here. I think both of them have great upside, great athleticism. Jeremiah Cobb, I'm really excited about the running back because when you watch some of his film in high school and you watch how he plays and just looking at his stature, he just looks like the type of running backs that Auburn likes to recruit. And he will more than likely be one of the replacements for Tank Bigsby when he is no longer at Auburn, hopefully playing on Sundays. But Jeremiah Cobb, I think, is a great running back pickup. And then it's so big for Auburn to pick up a receiver in Carmelo English in this 2023 class because, let's face it, Auburn's had some, some wide receiver issues over the past couple of years. There's been good guys come through, but... Obviously, there's been some holes, and Auburn is looking to fill those in the coming years. They hope to do that with Carmelo English. So Auburn football picks up two big recruits over the weekend. Carmelo English, the wide receiver, and Jeremiah Cobb, the running back. Moving on and making headlines, just about, I don't know, two hours ago, Baker Mayfield was officially traded to the Carolina Panthers. That has been something that's been drawn out and dragged out for so long. The Browns have finally traded Baker Mayfield to the Panthers for like a fourth or fifth round pick. It's something really bad. Like it's, it's, it's so bad. And the Browns are paying $10 million of his contract while he's playing at Carolina. And then I think the Panthers are going to pay him another $5 million. That's horrible. I texted Noah Garter, of course, he used to host this show. He's a big Cleveland Browns fan. I texted him when the trade went down. I said, are you okay, man? And he just, he was not happy about it. He's still a big Browns fan. He loves Baker Mayfield. Him and I have had many uh, heated discussions on the show about the, the upside of Baker Mayfield. But look, Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback. I think he's a, he's a top 15 quarterback. He's a top half quarterback in my, in my opinion. He will not just get the starting job in Carolina. The, the, the Panthers have reported that, or I guess they asked, reporters asked the Panthers, how about that? They asked the Panthers uh, what the quarterback situation was going to be when Baker Mayfield got there, and they said they're not just handing him the keys to the starting job. He's going to have to compete for it. We'll see how it goes. I think he will end up being the starter in Carolina, but the Browns, I don't know, man. They're in a weird spot because of the whole Deshaun Watson stuff. All of that is still going on. Um, I just don't know if he's going to play. But at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield loved Cleveland, and he was one of the very few guys that actually wanted to play there. And I'm not saying that to, to trash the Cleveland Browns. It's just how it's been. That organization has been so up and down over the years. Baker Mayfield was one of the players that actually wanted to be there and loved the Browns and loved Cleveland and wanted to win in Cleveland. And they did him dirty sending him out. But they've got Deshaun Watson, and he's a good quarterback if he's going to play. But if something comes out or if they find more information about all of the off-the-field stuff and he doesn't end up playing, the Browns are, are done for. They have, they've played themselves. We'll see how it goes. Baker Mayfield has been traded to the Carolina Panthers. 
I assume he will be the starter. I think he will win that battle, but we'll have to see some news coming out of the NFL. Moving on in making headlines, the NBA Summer League is underway. And to wrap up hour number one, I talked about Chet Holmgren's big game last night in their first NBA Summer League game. Look, it's the Summer League, okay? It's it's the preseason of the NBA, basically. You've got to take it with a grain of salt. I understand that players have good performances and some players probably earn themselves roster spots during these Summer League games. And I think they are important. I do want to say that they are important. But you've got to take the results in the, in the performances with a grain of salt. Chad Holmgren had a great game last night. He had six blocks. He had a bunch of points. He had some three-point shots. He had some, some Dirk Nowitzki-looking uh, turnarounds. Like He had a lot going on last night, did Chad Holmgren. But it's the summer league. He's playing against guys that are not on NBA rosters or just got drafted and... You've got to take that with a grain of salt, in my opinion, just because it's the NBA Summer League. It's like watching the NFL preseason games, and when somebody just goes off and has a good game, then everybody going crazy about it. You've got to take it with a – I mean, you got to – you can say, okay, that was a good performance, but it's still the Summer League. So take it as you will. Chad Holmgren had a good game last night. Jabari Smith – will be playing in some NBA Summer League games, so I am excited to see how he performs. And I would say the same thing. If it was Jabari that went off for 30 points or something in an NBA Summer League game, I'd be happy for him, and I'd say, yeah, that's the potential of what he can do, but it is the Summer League. Jabari Smith will be the best player there. I, I have no doubt about that. He'll be the best player there in the Summer League. He was doing that in college. He's going to be able to do it at the Summer League in the NBA, but it, what matters is what they do in October when the NBA season gets underway. But the Summer League's underway. If you're into basketball and you don't watch those Summer League games, I recommend that you do. Most of the time, they're out in Las Vegas. I'm not 100% sure if they're still doing it out there, but a lot of them are during the day. You can turn them on and watch them you know, in the office or whatever you're doing, and you can just kind of see how a lot of the draft picks are playing and developing and doing what they do. They're fun to watch, but all I'm saying is, Don't overreact when somebody has a fantastic performance in the NBA Summer League games because the talent is is much, much less than what they're going to be seeing in the actual NBA in just a couple of months. But Chen Holmgren had a good game. I'll give him credit. I know I don't have the best opinion of him, but and it's not of him. It's just of his play. But look, he had a good game. Give him credit. But I'm looking forward to Jabari Smith playing in the Summer League and then, of course, the NBA season getting underway in just a few months. Uh, More headlines here on Wednesday, July 6, 2022. Uh, Some Braves updates. Haven't had a chance to talk about the Atlanta Braves in a while. Of course, I've been out for however many days it's been. But the Braves are doing their thing. And again, we've talked about it a lot here on the show. The Braves coming off of that big 14-game win streak. That's been a while now. And I said that they needed to just play consistent. You don't have to go on big winning streaks, just avoid the big losing streaks. And that's exactly what they've done. They've been playing good baseball. And ultimately, for the Braves, they're in a really good spot. They've made up a ton of ground on the Mets. There was a, there was a time they were 9 or 10 games back from the Mets. And now they're within a few games. And of course, it's Wednesday, so we will take a look at the MLB on the on the Wednesday MLB update in just a few minutes. But you look at the last few games for the Braves, 
They beat the Reds 9-1 on Friday, 4-1 on Saturday. They did lose the series finale 4-3 on Sunday. But then they've turned around and they've beaten the St. Louis Cardinals in two straight games, 6-3 on Monday and 7-1 last night. And now they have two more games against the Cardinals before coming home for... I think they're at home, yeah, before coming home against the Nationals for a three-game series. And then... They're home for a big series against the New York Mets on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And you look at the Braves, things are going well, I think. When you look at the standings and the records for the Braves, they're two and a half games back of the New York Mets right now. Two and a half games back. And what have I been saying? The Braves play consistent, wait for the Mets to blow it, and everything will be okay. Now, the Mets are getting back their two biggest uh, pitchers, Scherzer and DeGrom, and that's going to help them a lot. I still think Atlanta, just do your thing. Even if you don't win the division, just play good, and you're still going to make the playoffs. That's how NBA or that's how MLB works. That's how NBA works, too. But just play good. Don't have a losing record, and you've got a chance to be in postseason play. There's your little Braves update. And then, of course, it is Wednesday, so we will do a Wednesday MLB update just looking at the entire uh, MLB standings. We'll start in the National League. We'll get to the National League. East. Oh, I guess we already talked about it. We may as well just finish it up here. The Mets, of course, in first place in the National League East. 50 wins, 31 losses. They are two and a half games up on your Atlanta Braves, who are 48 and 34 with two and a half games back. Seven and three in their last 10 games are the Atlanta Braves. Just playing solid baseball. That's all you can say. They're playing solid baseball. Philadelphia behind them at 43 and 38, seven games back of the Mets. And then, of course, Miami and Washington uh, farther back at 39 and 40, and then 29 and 54. So you look at the next couple of games in series for the, for the Braves, they're playing that Washington team who is not very good before they get ready for the Mets. Some winnable games on the schedule for the Braves before they have to play New York next week. Moving on to the National League Central, Milwaukee on top, 47-36 and 36 record. Right behind them is St. Louis, three games back, 44-39. and 39. That team that the Braves have taken the first two games from in the series. Then it's Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Cincinnati who are way far behind. Nine and a half, ten, and fourteen and a half games back of the Brewers there in the National League Central. And then the National League West, the best division in baseball. It's not even close. The Dodgers at 51-29. and 29. Second place, San Diego at 47 and 36. That's five and a half games back. So some separation for the Dodgers over the last week or so. San Francisco, 10 and a half games back. They have really fallen off. They're almost 500 at 40 and 39. Arizona and Colorado wrap up that division. Moving over to the other side of the league, in the American League, one of the best teams in all of baseball. I think they are the best team in baseball right now. The New York Yankees at 58 and 23. They are 13 games ahead of the second place Boston Red Sox at 45 and 36. Look, I'm a Red Sox fan too. They've been playing solid baseball, but nobody's catching the Yankees, man. They're playing so good on all cylinders. The Yankees are they're a legitimate threat to to win it all, which makes me sad, but maybe 
Maybe something will maybe something will change, but as of right now, the Yankees are playing out of their minds at 58 and 23. They will definitely be the first to 60 wins, probably the first to 70 wins and a lot of those other milestones throughout this year. Third place in that division in the American League East, the Tampa Bay Rays at 44 and 37. Toronto and Baltimore wrap up that series. Toronto is 44 and 38, so there is some consistency there in the American League East. And, and Baltimore's been playing better baseball, so keep an eye on them. Not that they're going to make a huge push, but they have been playing a little bit better over the last week or so. And then the American League Central before we do the American League West. Minnesota on top of the Central, 47-37. and 37. Cleveland behind them at 40-39, and 39, four and a half games back. And then everybody else is below 500, the White Sox, Detroit, and Kansas City. And then the American League West, the Houston Astros, one of the best teams in baseball yet again, but doing it quietly this season. I do want to mention that. The Astros are still playing good ball, but not as loud as they used to be. And if that doesn't, if that's not clear, what I mean by that is they're not, you know, banging their chest and doing all kinds of of stuff to dra- to grab people's attention. They're just kind of playing their own baseball and doing their own thing. They're fifty three and twenty seven, but a very very quiet fifty three wins for the Astros, and they have a very comfortable lead in the American League West, thirteen and a half game lead on Seattle, followed by Texas, L.A. and Oakland. Well, that's it for the MLB update. That's it for making headlines here on Wednesday, July 6, 2022. Off and running here in hour number two on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Give me a call. Let's talk about anything you like to talk about in the sports world. 334-321-1390. When we come back, question of the day. I posed it in hour number one, and I'll pose it yet again. How do you feel about Auburn football's 2023 recruiting class so far? Give me a call, 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back into the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Question of the day, how do you feel about the current state of the Auburn football 2023 recruiting class? That's the question of the day. Let me know. 334-321-1390. I like where it stands, and I know that a lot of people would be worried and probably are worried about well, there's only four guys committed in 2023 right now. And I get that, right? I understand the concern with, well, there's only four of them, and there's a lot of other schools and a lot of other teams that have a lot more players than that. And, of course, over the weekend, we saw lots of SEC schools get a lot of recruits. There was a lot of commitments over the weekend, and... It's easy to look at Auburn right now and say they're behind. And it's easy to look at Auburn and say, where are all the other players? But just give it a little time. And I know I've said that a lot. And I would like to see Auburn have more players in 2023 right now. There's no doubt about that. But more will come. And I can tell you that that I'm confident in that. I, I guess I can't guarantee that. But I am confident in that. But like I talked about in hour number one when talking about this question, the recruits have gotten to a point, most of them anyway, they've gotten to a point where 
they love Auburn, or they at least liked what they saw. They liked what they heard. They like what is going on down here between Harson, the coaches, the school, the campus, the new football facility, everything that's involved. From what I'm told, the recruits love their visits here, but they want to see and wait if Auburn's going to win. And that's okay. That's understandable. We should, we should sit back as a fan base and as media or whoever and say, you know what? I understand why you would want to do that. I certainly do. I completely understand it. But I think that as the season goes on and as we get into December, I'm confident about this season enough to where I think Auburn is going to get some guys and fill up this 2023 class. I'm confident in that. But you saw in a three- or four-day span, Auburn picked up two recruits, two big recruits, four-star recruits in-state. Right, You got two in-state guys that probably could have gone just about anywhere they wanted to, and they came to Auburn. You have a running back who will get significant playing time and probably be a starter down the road. And you get a receiver that's probably in the exact same scenario will get some quality minutes and be a starter down the road. So in a four-day period, Auburn picked up two of those guys. And, of course, before they committed, there was only two for this Auburn football class of 2023. So technically, it doubled over the weekend. And I think more and more are going to come for this recruiting class. And so as it stands right now, I like where it is. I like the four that are committed. I think two of them who have been here and committed for a long time are big Auburn guys. They have been selling Auburn and and preaching Auburn and trying to get guys to come here because before they even get here, they're already bought into what's happening. They're already bought in to the new system and the new coaches and, and everything that is changing. All of the changes we've seen over the last six months, those guys were already bought in. And they got these guys to come, and they're trying to get more. And so if I'm answering this question of how how I feel about the current state of the 2023 recruiting class for Auburn football, I like where it is. Sure, I would love to see more guys there. I would love to see 10 or 12 guys committed already. But the guys that are already committed are good, high-quality players who will have big impacts on this team down the road. And they're all guys that I think are going to continue to sell Auburn and push Auburn and recruit for Auburn. And I think these guys are going to be big-time players on the field. You look, at, you look at a receiver and a running back like these two guys who they have a lot of room to improve. They have a high ceiling, right? They do. They have a very, very high ceiling, and can impact Auburn in very good ways. So, yes, it's limited. Yes, there's only four guys committed right now, but all four of them are going to make big impacts down the road, on and off the field. And so, maybe that's the strategy for Auburn. Maybe that's Brian Harson and this coaching staff's strategy is, okay, let's not just go after every single player available. Maybe we want to go after fewer but go after the quality ones that we want for our program and our system maybe I don't know maybe that's what they decided to do and ultimately it's up to the kid to say yeah I'm committing to play at Auburn 
But I think they're doing the right things. And the effort is there from this Auburn staff and this Auburn coaches and everything about it. The effort is there. And I don't think it's from a lack of trying. I really don't. Six months ago, yeah, you could say that. You could say, well, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of bad things coming out right now saying that recruiting wasn't even a top priority. But as you all know, in the state of Alabama, in the SEC, you've got to recruit 365 days a year. And I think that the, the coaching staff and Brian Harson figured that out. It took them a little bit, and I don't think they knew that when they got here, but you best believe they know it now, and they're trying. And I think it is working. But ultimately, you got to win games. You got to win. You got to show that you can win consistently. And you got to show that if a player comes to Auburn, they're going to get better at Auburn. You don't want a guy to come here and not get any better. And he doesn't want to do that either. They're choosing you to win and develop and get them to the next level. Can Auburn do that? Can Auburn do that consistently? I don't know. We're going to find out. But if they can, recruiting will get better and better and better. Hey, we got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about which teams the SEC should go after for realignment. More on the other side of this break. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. On ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. we got 30 more minutes here in hour number two on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. Lots of discussion about Auburn football and recruiting. Lots of talk about college athletics, especially college football, changing forever in front of our eyes. And... Wanted to talk about in this segment about the SEC and what the Southeastern Conference should do when it comes to expanding and becoming a super conference because I think that's obviously where we are going. That's where we're heading. And my question is, and sort of the, the, the road and the path that I want to go down here is where should the SEC go? Who should the SEC go after? to fill however many more spots they want to fill. I, I think the magic number is 20. I think that's what we're looking at here is at least the Big Ten and the SEC to get to 20 teams. And if that's the case, the SEC needs four more. Obviously, they have 14 as it stands right now with everybody that's currently here. And then, of course, it will be 16 once Oklahoma and Texas get here. So then you got to have four more. And the the common answers have been Clemson and Florida State from the ACC. I think both of those have made a lot of sense. I thought that's the way they should have gone, or at least could have gone, way back when the SEC added A&M and Missouri. But, um, you know, there's a lot to go into that. But as it stands right now, those two are definitely the most common answers, Clemson and Florida State. But then who else? Who else should the SEC go after to fill however many more spots they want to fill in their conference? We've seen mostly ACC schools, whether it be uh, 
North Carolina, whether it be Virginia, whether it be any of those other ACC schools, lots of people are saying Miami won't get the invite, and I think that is the case. I don't think the SEC wants Miami in the SEC. I just don't think they do. I don't think Miami gets the invite, but there's a lot of directions you can go. But then also there's reports of possibly the ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12 merging right that's been that's been talked about there hasn't been any like actual news saying that that could possibly happen that's just been a brainstorm idea is those three conferences just merging together but talking about the SEC who should they go after what schools would benefit the southeastern conference the most across all sports we'll talk about football and then other sports as we go I think Clemson and Florida State makes a whole lot of sense. It makes sense geographically. It makes sense financially. It makes, it makes sense branding-wise. Those are two huge names, especially in college football, the sport that makes the most money. You've got Clemson, who is doing their thing with Dabo Sweeney at the helm. I mean, they're competing for national championships just about every year, and that's a huge school to have if you're trying to become a major super conference like the Southeastern Conference is trying to do. Then you have Florida State, again, another school that you want to have because historically, Florida State is a good football school. I know they haven't been over the last few years, but they will be back. Florida State will get back to being a dominant college football program again. And when that happens... You want them to be in the SEC rather than being somewhere else, rather than being either it be the Big Ten, rather it be a merger with somebody else. You don't want Florida State to become good again and the SEC to miss out on that. I think those two schools will happen. I think it should happen for the SEC to go after and get Clemson and Florida State. But then who else? You know, there's different ways to look at this. Do you want to look at it from the football side or do you want to look at it from the basketball side? Obviously, getting Clemson and Florida State, you're not adding a ton in basketball. Florida State every now and then, Clemson, not really. Uh, But when you look at it from the basketball side, you would love to have North Carolina. You would love to have North Carolina in your conference for basketball. And again, when you look at the map, That just makes sense to have North Carolina in the SEC. They're all right there. You don't have to travel across the entire country to play a game. And for basketball, could you imagine North Carolina being in this conference? Oh, my goodness. It would be so much fun for North Carolina to be here. But then who else? There's a lot of different teams that have been thrown around. And I I just don't know. I don't know which ones would benefit the SEC the most outside of Clemson and, and Florida State. I think North Carolina would be a great addition. But then that fourth team, you could kind of you could kind of alternate who you wanted it to be, whether you want to look at it from the football side of things or the basketball side of things or any other sport. Who's going to bring in the most money? That's what it's going to come down to is which schools are going to bring the conference the most money and Which conference can the schools get the most money from? That's what it's going to come down to. It's all about those TV deals, right? How much can the school get paid every year being a part of that conference on their TV deals? you got to go after the biggest brands. And with Clemson and Florida State, I think that's obvious. Other schools, 
when it comes to, again, when it comes to basketball, North Carolina is obvious. And then outside of that, I think, like I said, you can kind of fluctuate and see what would work the best. But let's say that that three-conference merger does happen. What if the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 say, let's take four or five of our best teams and let's just make a conference of our own? Let's just go and merge together and make our own conference. Then what does the SEC do? Then where do you go to get schools? You might then have to go after a school like Miami. You may have to go after a school like Virginia or Virginia Tech. I don't know. I don't know where the SEC would go. There's a lot of schools that are either going to be a part of something big or left in the dust. And until it actually happens... We're not really going to know. And that's what's so crazy. It is all or nothing in this situation. You either, as a school right now, outside of the SEC and Big Ten, you are either going to be a part of something historic, a part of a major super conference and shift in college football, or you're going to be left in the dust and by yourself and, and really running around like an idiot trying to find a new home as a school and your program for football and every other sport. That's the two extremes, and I don't think there's a whole lot of in-between. You're either going to be in a brand-new situation, a part of a super conference, and go down in the history books, or you're going to be a program and a school left behind, and nobody's going to care. I'm looking at Kansas State. I'm looking at Oklahoma State. I'm looking at Oregon State. I'm looking at Washington State. Those types of programs, Louisville, I'm looking at those types of programs and schools that nobody really truly wants and nobody really needs because there's other, there's other schools. There's bigger fish in the sea, right? That's how this is going down. And however you want to look at it, the conferences kind of just pick who they want. It's like playing dodgeball when you're a kid in elementary school. You got two captains. They pick who they want. Everybody else, go find something else to do. If you didn't get picked, you're out. Sorry. Like, we had a limited number, and if you didn't get picked, you go home. That's, how, that's what's happening right now with college football and college athletics. But when you talk about football for the SEC, Clemson, Florida State, that makes sense. I think North Carolina in football would be smart. I think North Carolina in general would be a fantastic pickup for the SEC across athletics in general. Not that the football program is going to compete and win national championships, but they have become a solid program. Plus, you have the basketball. We know what that has become and what has been throughout their entire history of North Carolina basketball. I think Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina will be the three that the SEC will go after pretty consistently and pretty hard and probably get. Would the SEC go after Notre Dame? They're at least going to throw their hat in the ring. They're not going to win, but they're at least going to try. I think Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten. And then you got to find one more. If you want to get to that magical number 20, which I think is what they're trying to do, I think that's what we will eventually get to is 20 teams per super conference in in the SEC and the Big Ten. It's, I, I'm laughing because it's so crazy to think about. We are talking about this right now, and not just talking about it, it's happening. We are talking about it because it's happening. And if you would have looked five years ago, right? Let's say we go back in time five years ago. That would have been 2017. And 
and you would have told us, hey, not only are Texas and Oklahoma going to go to the Big Ten, UCLA and USC, or excuse me, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, UCLA and USC are going to go to the Big Ten, you're going to have two super conferences, and everybody else is going to be scrambling. And there's about to be 20 teams per conference. Auburn's about to be playing Clemson, Florida State, Texas, and Oklahoma uh, every other year. We would have been like, what? We we would have we would have just laughed because that wasn't even like a possibility. But now here we are, here we are in a in a an age where college sports are changing right in front of our eyes, with NIL, with realignment, with super conferences, with everything. It's all changing, and I don't know what to think about it because I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't. I'm one of those people. I don't like not knowing stuff and I don't like not knowing what's going to happen and that's the exact situation that we're in but to kind of get back to this the SEC's got to go after schools that will benefit them the most and obviously make them the most money Clemson and Florida State and North Carolina are those three the other one I think like I said you can kind of you can kind of make an argument for a few different schools but imagine now think about this from Auburn's side for football This year of 2022, the college football season coming up, which is 59 days away, by the way, Auburn has the hardest schedule in America. They have the hardest college football schedule across the entire nation this year. And it's a schedule that we've looked at and said, hey, that's not half bad. But now think about in the next, I don't know, five years, you're going to add Texas and Oklahoma to the rotation. You're about to add probably Clemson and Florida State and North Carolina to the rotation. Imagine the year where Auburn has to play Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, possibly Florida State, possibly Texas, possibly Oklahoma in the same football season. Imagine that. That day is coming. That day is coming, and they're going to add more SEC schedule games, right? They're going to add more conference games. You're going to have to. But there's going to be a time where Auburn has to play out of that group. They're going to have to play three or four of those teams in the same year. You think Auburn's schedule's hard now? Wait five years from now when there's 20 teams in the SEC and it's the best of the best. It's not going to get any easier. If that's the route that ends up happening, right? If, if the SEC is able to, to pick apart the ACC and take the teams that they want... Auburn's schedule is not getting any easier. You think it's hard now? Wait five years from now. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to the current SEC schools, and there's a lot of conversation of should Vanderbilt get the boot? I don't know. I don't think that'll happen, but it very well could, but I don't think it does. There's good reasons for Vanderbilt to be in the SEC. You think they're struggling as a football program now? give it five years when those other big schools join the SEC poor Vanderbilt they're going to be in a world of hurt but they do bring good stuff to the SEC that's why they're here again I don't think they get the boot but again it's going to be interesting to see what the state of the SEC becomes and what happens to the current teams here in the conference versus the new teams that join the conference what's going to happen to postseason play what's going to happen with college football awards Everything with recruiting, NIL, everything is going to be changing with all of this realignment. 
it's something that it, it blows my mind when I think about how different the conferences are going to look and how some conferences may not even exist anymore and how different they are going to look in the whole college football world is being shaken apart right now it's like a big puzzle at this point you've got all the schools and now you're just trying to put it all together in the places that they belong and it's the conferences doing it they get to do whatever they want to do and as it stands right now they can hand choose and hand pick who they want to be in their conference we're going to see how it goes again I don't know if it's a good or bad thing but I'm leaning towards the bad side until I can find some good reasons for all of this I'm going to look at the negative side of it. That's just how it is right now with everything being so crazy and happening so fast. That's the way I'm going to look at it. Let's take our final break here in this Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'll come back with final take before the drive will be on right after me. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Jacob Goins with you next for, uh, for the next couple of minutes here on ESPN 106.7. Make sure you stay tuned after me. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7. Got a few minutes before I get out of here. We've talked about a lot today, a lot of Auburn football recruiting stuff as they picked up a couple of commitments in the 2023 class, running back and a wide receiver. Lots of talk about everything going on in college sports with, with of course, the breaking news a couple of days ago with UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten and just all of the rumors and and just different reports and everybody just making their own predictions and making their own yeah predictions that's the best way to put it on what they think is going to happen with college football and college athletics and this whole realignment discussion we've talked a whole lot about that today if you missed any of the show go and find the podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcast i'll upload that immediately following today's show so make sure you go and find that again lots of discussion about auburn football and the state of college athletics as a whole final take for today i got about four minutes is look i'm gonna be honest I'm worried about college athletics, especially college football. I'm worried about it. And we'll talk about college football specifically here. I'm worried about the future of college football. Not that it's going to not exist, because it's always going to be around. But the sport that I grew up watching where you could turn it on on Saturdays and just escape into college football where it was all football talk right you had all the talk shows were about the football about the players about the game the games were just about football there was really nothing else that was discussed and it was a sport and a game where you could just get away and you could fall in love with college football and you knew that you were dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids playing college football it's something that I grew up loving I still do but it's something I grew up loving and watching, and it just had a different feel to it than any other sport, especially professional football. It just had a different feel. It, just, it felt better. It felt right watching college football. All of that, the history and the, and the, 
and the pride that you take in watching your college football team, all of that is starting to dwindle away because it doesn't feel like college football anymore. If you ask me, when you turn on a college football game now, and especially this season, make sure you watch for this and think about it when you're watching the games this year, it's going to feel less and less like college football from here on out. And eventually, it's not really going to be college football at all. Sure, it'll be the colleges, their name and their logos on everything. But with players making money and teams moving left and right and everything changing, the college football that we knew that we once knew is no longer here. And the college football that we once fell in love with, like myself, is no longer the college football we're going to be watching. Could it be for the better? It very well might be. It very well might be. I don't think it will be. It'll be different, and it'll take some time to get used to. I think it'll still be good, but I think the glory days of the passionate, just gritty love of of college football, it's gone, and it's changing. I don't want to say it's gone. It's changing. And, again, I'm not somebody that likes change a whole lot, and this is a big change, and there's a lot of them. And so – At the end of the day, it's changing, and that's what we've got to accept. Will it be for the better? I hope so. I absolutely hope so. But only time will tell. We're going to find out if it'll be for the better. It very well could be for the worse. And with so many things changing at such a rapid pace, I don't see how it's going to be better right now. It may be better in the long run. But as of right now, I think it's going to struggle. And I think you're going to see a lot of gaps and a lot of holes in the system and a lot, of, a lot of wrongdoings here. And you're going to see some things you're like, you know, I just don't like how this is working. And maybe it'll work itself out over time, but the future of college football right now, it's up in the air for me. And I hope that somehow it works itself out because if not, what's the difference? What sets college football apart if it doesn't? That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.